what's up, people? Welcome to whatever episode of the 2QB experience this is. We'll figure out the number in a minute here. I'm kind of flying uh, by the seat of my pants. Wanted to try something out. We're going to do a live reaction to the NFL Draft show, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of analysis that overlaps from a lot of different people, but uh, I kind of want to take these quarterback picks that are going to happen at the beginning of round one and estimate how that is going to impact fantasy quarterback rankings, plain and simple, just simple stuff, uh, a rankings update, kind of the thought process that I put into how I move these guys around with the knowledge of the NFL draft. And while I should probably wait till the end of the entire draft to do that, um, and, and we'll get all to that on the show, of course, but, you know, so we know what all the picks are. This is going to be a very reactionary show, um, and I'm going to talk more about kind of the coverage of the event from a fantasy perspective, right? Um, you know, the hype that builds up around what goes on at these sorts of things does not always translate to what we see on the field uh, in the upcoming season. And we know that. We've seen that happen year after year. Um, some stuff hits, some stuff misses. And we're going to talk about how fantasy evaluation and, and you know what they're trying to cram down our throats. Anyway, uh, Baker Mayfield was just picked number one by the Cleveland Browns. And this is a very analytics-driven sort of pick. Now, did they make the pick for that reason? Or did they just want the guy who was a winner in college? We don't know what the Browns were completely thinking. But we know that there is some infrastructure there in the front office for uh, you know stats-based analysis. And you know what the, that sort of college production profile for Baker Mayfield would mean, you know, in the NFL, kind of in spite of his height, in spite of maybe some off-the-field issues. And I think that combination of a good college production profile and one of a college winner, you know, somebody who you know got the job done and was a leader uh, of his team, that sort of stuff, is going to make him a more intriguing year one quarterback prospect for fantasy, more than someone like Josh Allen, uh, you know, somebody who you might, I don't know. It's like that that mentality of being a winner, that uh, that perception of being a winner. If and when Tyrod Taylor starts to lose games, multiple games in a row for the Browns, if he's the week one starter, there are going to be more people who believe that Baker Mayfield should see the field over Tyrod because he's the future and because he sh- he might be able to win in year one. He he you know he's done it in college. He has you know a, a versatile skill set. You know. There's going to be more pressure put on the organization to get Baker under center in NFL action, in regular season games. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was week one. And, you know, with that in mind, you have to really bump Tyrod Taylor down in your rankings. You have to really bring Baker Mayfield up to a place where if you had to draft a redraft league right now, thankfully most of us don't, but, you know, if you're doing best ball or anything like that, I think you have to consider it a 50-50 bet as far as which one of those guys is going to be the starter right away. And so I'll have these two guys close. I'll have Tyrod slightly ahead because he's, he is the incumbent. And, you know, if he gets the week one job and they are a decent football team, he'll probably keep it for longer than anticipated. But you really just are going to have to pay attention to this as preseason creeps along. Uh, you know, figure out who the favorite is to start and, you know, adjust your rankings every day. You know, if, you, if you're in multiple drafts, you know, where you draft or which one you draft first in June or July is probably not going to be the same or might not be the same in August. So that's what I'll say about Baker Mayfield to the Browns for now. Saquon Barkley, pick two to the Giants. And boy, do the Giants know how to run a franchise, am I right? I mean, they need a quarterback. Eli Manning is not the same guy he used to be. I fervently believe that Geno Smith, when he was given the chance to start last year, 
should have remained the starter and that, that that was a rightful decision by the coach that was a coach trying to save his job knowing that he couldn't win with Eli under center and why the hell not give Geno Smith a shot it's crazy that they didn't draft a quarterback but this really solidifies Eli's value in fantasy it's crazy like I I don't want to draft Eli Manning but I can already feel myself having to do it in some draft where I wait too long at QB and he's the only guy left, and he's the only guy left for a reason, but he's the only guy left, and I have to draft Eli Manning in a spot where I don't want to, that's going to happen because he's he has value, it, it, straight up. Like There's something that Eli is going to deliver. It's not going to be Davis Webb. Odell Beckham Jr. is back. Maybe they bring in Des Bryant or something else crazy like that, but they're obviously trying to get better on offense around Eli. Saquon Barkley is a great receiver. That That immediately bumps up Eli's value, and it's... It's upsetting to me because I, I want this arc of Eli to be over because I, I think that he is going to limit those skill position players. I mean, it's hard to limit Odell Beckham Jr., I should say. And maybe it'll be hard to limit Saquon Barkley, but we don't know, right? And we don't know if they're going to be able to stack the box against him to some extent, knowing that you know when Eli gets happy feet, he just throws it away. This is why everyone was hoping that Saquon would somehow make it to the Buccaneers, right? Because that's an offense that could really use him right right away and and have him be very good with the Giants I don't I'm not sure I mean the fact that they took him second means yes he's going to be used a lot he and he is very good so he'll be great I I should take back any ill words I say about Saquon Saquon Barkley I just think he could have been better somewhere else and I'm not alone in that that's that's clear to see the Giants are not the perfect situation and I think Eli is part of the reason but like I said, this is a great boost to his value or solidification of his value. He's really entrenched in that kind of lower tier of usable starters, guys that you can assume are going to start with the job and keep the job all season unless they get hurt. And there are varying degrees of how good a quarterback can be when they have that sort of role. Uh, I mean, you could say that Aaron Rodgers has that sort of role, but I mean, his ability is obviously much greater than Eli Manning. So it's in. It, and Eli is basically at the bottom of that spectrum for me. A guy that I know is going to be usable or I assume is going to be usable. And I, I'm okay with that on my team. I'm just not going to overpay for it. Or I'm only going to pay for it if I have to. And even then, I still think he's a little risky. He's hasn't been a very good quarterback for many years. And maybe it is Davis Webb who gets a shot. I, I kind of poo-pooed that idea earlier. But you know, if Eli continues to struggle as a passer, then maybe they bench him again. Who knows? But for now, where I sit, Eli is still an ownable, lower-end fantasy football quarterback. The third pick is in. Sam Darnold to the New York Jets. This is a fun one. This is a very dynasty football sort of acquisition. We almost know for sure, but just based on his age and how many turnovers he had in college, that Darnold is not necessarily going to be a right-away success if he's a, if he's starting in the regular season. And with McCown there, Josh McCown, uh, R.I.P. Luke McCown, who just retired, but with Josh McCown there, the kind of consummate backup slash just slightly better than a backup QB, you can envision a scenario where the Jets are going to want to sit Darnold for a year and let him hold that clipboard while Josh McCown kind of schools him to some extent goes through Josh McCown University but we don't know how long it's going to take for him to graduate from Josh McCown University or how long it's going to take for 
Josh McCown University to go under for a embezzlement scandal <laughs> or something. I, I don't know. Like we've seen Josh McCown go dark side. He's no lock to hold that job either. And so Darnold, we have to consider in two quarterback formats. He might be the starter there at some point during the season. Cleveland's second pick in the top four is in Denzel Ward, cornerback. And it's worth noting that it wasn't Bradley Chubb, right? They did not go out and get defensive line help. They wanted to address the secondary, and that, I think, shows you where the NFL is going. See more pass happiness across the league. I mean, not to say that a pass rush isn't good against a pass-happy league either, but the direction we see the league going seems to be more about spreading out your offense and attacking multiple levels of the field in multiple directions and trying to find open space, you know, generally in the short to intermediate area and, you know, with necessary long shots mixed in to kind of make everything work, to keep defenses honest. And you need really good secondary to be able to cover those really good teams who have multiple excellent receivers, you know, out of the backfield, out of the slot, X receivers, Z receivers, you need to be able to cover in the modern NFL. And does this mean that the Cleveland Browns are a tougher quarterback matchup in fantasy? Maybe I won't be as excited to stream somebody against the Browns as I would maybe last year. Yeah, that's possible. It really depends on how good Denzel Ward is right away. I will be honest, I know nothing about the kid. I don't really follow college football all that much, and I definitely don't know anything about the defensive players. I, I generally fantasy I'm generally fantasy centric with whatever, you know, thought I put towards college football. And, you know, that's to my own detriment when it comes to analyzing this stuff. So I'll be interested to read in, you know, the upcoming weeks and months what this specific pick means for the Browns defense, because that stuff matters. You know, offensive line matters. Uh, the opposing defense matters. You know, having a bad defense is not always a bad thing for a fantasy quarterback. That might mean that they get, you know, more opportunities to throw the ball. And, you know, sometimes that means throwing more negative game script. But you can still adjust kind of like to know if you have a good quarterback and a good offense with a bad defense. You know, like the classic Saints example. Those are the types of players and offenses you might want to invest in uh, for, you know, the season for certain matchups for certain weeks, you know, in DFS. So these defensive picks do matter. Uh, that's kind of where my thought process goes when we see Denzel Ward go to the Browns with their fourth pick. And I think it is telling that they didn't take Bradley Chubb instead. And at pick five, the Broncos, a known to be QB needy team, took Bradley Chubb. Yes! Case Keenum, let's go. I love that he's getting a shot. That's really cool to me. Uh, after the season he just had in Minnesota, the fact that Chad Kelly was drafted last year and he might also be a solution, I love that the Broncos looked at their roster and said, we're good and we want our defense to get better. We think that we can make it on offense with one of these guys, Keenum or Kelly, both of whom have potential, straight up. Great move by them. I love this pick. I, I think this is the type of pick that smart teams would make like, this is what Bill Belichick would have done in this position. And I wonder if they knew that Chubb was going to be there. Because if Chubb was off the board, I could very well have seen them taking a quarterback in that scenario. And I want to know who they would have taken. That's fascinating. I hope that comes out. I hope that information on who they would have picked comes out. Because I'm, I'm curious. For fantasy, this is a huge win for Case Keenum. This is so good. Oh, my God. 
his his value is it'll probably go too high to be honest it'll it might go higher than i want it to go although there are so many good quarterbacks that it's it's going to be really hard for most people who do rankings to take case keenum and put him below or, or put him above you know more proven guys like the philip rivers or the matt ryans or the andy dalton's that's a great question would you rather take andy dalton or case keenum and so, hold on, let's pull up the rankings. In my previous rankings prior to the draft, I had Andy Dalton one spot ahead of Case Keenum. And my dog is about to throw up. Are you okay? Okay, crisis averted. Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, back-to-back in the rankings. Both of them were behind Tyrod Taylor. That, that is going to change when I update these, most likely. And so if I look at that ranking of Dalton versus Keenum, and what my thought process was at the time, there had to be some factoring in of a potential Keenum flop, right? You know, a one-year wonder situation where he just wasn't the guy that they needed or that they wanted or thought they were going to get in Denver. And with Chad Kelly there, I think that there was some amount of risk of that. But what made it even riskier was this prospect that they could draft a quarterback. And, you know, they might still. I mean, there were, were five picks in, right? <laughs> There's a lot left to go. And they might still, you know, draft somebody in the second round, third round, whenever their next pick is. Who knows? But, you know, in the moment, reactionaryism. Here we are. Case Keenum just got more job security with that one pick. Them not taking a quarterback at least for, you know, until the Broncos' next pick gave Case Keenum a sigh of relief. <sighs> I'm okay. I'm going to be the quarterback in week one. Or so he thinks. And... Does that bump him above a guy like Andy Dalton, who probably already had that distinction? And so, so the question is, is how much of a gap was there between them based upon nothing but job security? And does this change in situation for Case Keenum elevate him above Andy Dalton? And the, the real answer is I have no idea. I'm going to assume that I had them ranked that way initially because in my ranges of outcomes at that moment, I foresaw, you know, this range of outcomes. Or I didn't actually foresee this specific thing happening. Like, I didn't know that Bradley Chubb was going to fall, and that was the reason they weren't going to take a quarterback pick five. What I'm saying is, is even when there was risk of a quarterback competition between two guys and Case Keenum, there was also, like, within that risk, there was reward. What if Case Keenum is the guy that we saw last year? So uh, I, I think I would, I already had him, like, closer to his ceiling, I guess, in, in a ranking sense previously. And I don't think that this one instance is enough to make me bump him ahead of a guy like Dalton, who, you know, has a similar sort of upside in my mind as, you know, a, a solid fantasy starter, a good, like, QB one and a half uh, at his ceiling. Not a guy who's going to, you know, go top 10 every week, although we've seen Dalton do that for stretches. Uh, we saw Case Keenum do it for stretches, too. I just don't know if that consistency can be counted on from either guy. So I think they're still really close in value. That's, that's what it comes down to. And we'll see what happens through the rest of the draft to figure out where, you know, they really end up. Um, relative to each other but what one pick doesn't you know make me instantly think oh you know case keenum now he's better than andy dalton because he doesn't have to worry about a qb competition at pick six the colts took quentin nelson the guard supposed to be an elite guard like really going to help an offensive line and generally guard isn't seen as know quite as important as tackle but he might be that good supposedly and from everything i've read Robert Mays at the Ringer had a really good breakdown of how good of a prospect Nelson was and how important guard play is these days. That was a nice read. I'll link to that in the show notes. 
But this is good news for the Colts. This helps Andrew Luck, but he's not moving in my rankings whatsoever. We still have no idea what his timetable is. Like, I'm not really going to know where the hell to rank him until, you know, he, you know, we see some video from practice at least, or, you know, hopefully like preseason will dispel any, you know, concerns that we have. Um, but you never know. Maybe it'll be one of those situations where he doesn't play in any preseason games just for the sake of protection. And that'll be crazy. But it seems like there's always a story like that that really drives fantasy owners crazy, you know, through August. But yeah, this is good for him, and even if he can't play, this is good for Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you know, their their offensive line could use some help. Uh, you know, running game too. I, I think this is a good move for them. Uh, nice pick for the Colts. And at pick seven, the Bills just traded up to take Josh Allen. This is pretty wild. They clearly thought someone else would take Allen if they did not trade up, which is interesting. I mean, the Dolphins were the next team in the natural pick order who might have taken him. So maybe they were afraid of another team trading up, maybe the Cardinals. But Buffalo is one of those situations where a rookie QB has a pretty good shot to start in year one. We know Nathan Peterman wasn't their guy. They brought in A.J. McCarron, and this is something we did predict on this very podcast. He's going to become the next Mike Lennon. Or at least there's a very strong possibility that happens now that the Bills have drafted, drafted Josh Allen. That's something that we really have to consider when we're drafting these guys. Like, I don't think you can draft Agent McCarron with any sort of confidence, you know, as your QB3, you know, some late flyer. Like, if anything, you want to draft Josh Allen because he's probably going to overtake McCarron at some point. The Bills don't trade up. They don't invest this sort of capital for a guy not to start in year one. So Josh Allen, so far, might have the best job security like even more than baker mayfield is crazy that as that is when he went first overall i mean i mean i think baker mayfield is probably a good shot to start in, in week one as well uh but in terms of opportunity i think they're really close so that's an interesting litmus test if you're trying to rank those two against each other for a redraft league a two quarterback league and frankly if you are the type of person who does pre-draft evaluations you probably shouldn't let these two landing spots affect your analysis or comparison of the players that much. Like if you liked Josh Allen more in the first place for year one, then he should probably still rank higher. Uh, Both these guys are going to teams that don't have great offensive weapons. Both teams are very likely to be run heavy and not, you know, putting much pressure on the quarterback at all, whether it be McCarron or Rosen or in the Jets case, whether it be McCown or Mayfield, these are going to be low volume guys who aren't guaranteed to start all year with similar hype coming into college. Now, the real question we have to ask here is why didn't any of these quarterback-needy teams want Josh Rosen? And so we're going to have to wait to see where he gets picked to kind of figure out what the NFL's read on him was because this is and this is that concept in fantasy analysis that draft capital matters. We talked about this with Sean Slavin a couple episodes ago in terms of his Tanya model uh, and factoring in draft position as part of the equation in terms of figuring out which prospect, you know, combined with their college efficiency in Tanya and other factors like, uh, you know, height and weight measurables, things like that, all these different factors are going to contribute to what sort of value we should expect from that player or what history has done with that sort of profile. And we know that no one is ever going to duplicate that stuff on the nose. So it, it is, again, about a range of outcomes, about trying to figure out which factors matter and how much do they matter? Draft capital is one of those things. So knowing what we know right now, maybe the Dolphins are the likely landing spot for Josh Rosen. We will have to wait and see. It turns out we didn't have to wait long. 
for someone to make the move on Rosen after the Niners took uh, an offensive tackle, Mike McGlinchey. At number nine, the Cardinals traded up with the Raiders uh, to get to the number 10 spot, and they picked Josh Rosen. So, sorry, Dolphins, if that's who you wanted, you didn't get him. Uh, Rosen going to the card seems like a pretty good landing spot. A safe landing spot with the two vets they have there, Bradford and the aforementioned Mike Lennon. This is another situation where we know Rosen is the future, so he could start in year one uh, just to get him reps. You know, if the team isn't doing so hot and in that division, that seems pretty likely, you know, uh, against the Rams, against the Niners. Seahawks should still be competitive, maybe not quite as good as they have been over the past however many years. So this is the rebuild for Arizona. They're going to rebuild around Josh Rosen. We've already seen Glennon get Glennoned. Uh, wouldn't it be tragic to see that happen two years in a row, uh, especially when he was, you know, maybe already the backup behind Bradford? Uh, but, I mean, even with Bradford, you could always, if you're Mike Lennon, think, oh, well, Bradford can't stay healthy. I'm going to get a shot. And then it's like, oh, they draft the rookie. Not again. Sorry, Mike. That's that's really rough. I, that, that is not fair. But that's how it goes, man. And we got to figure out how this is going to work for fantasy. Uh, I think that Rosen probably won't start the year. I think with both those veterans there, Rosen is not likely to be the week one starter. And then it becomes a question of, okay, so how long is it going to take? How is How quickly are they going to get bad? And lose enough games to say, screw it, we're going to use the rookie and see how he does. And unfortunately, in these sorts of situations, you can't draft any of the guys with confidence. Now, if one of them shows up and plays really well in preseason, whether it's Rosen or Glennon or Bradford, you know, there'll be a period of time right then when you'll talk yourself into those sorts of players. Because, you know, why not? What if? And who else am I going to draft? If it gets late enough and you decide in your draft that you want or need to draft a quarterback in some certain round... You know, it, it could be some 14 or 16 team super flex league where you, you know, need to have those types of assets. You have to decide how you're going to pick and choose between these guys. And I generally err on the side of the younger dudes. I mean, because again, they're the future. At some point, they're going to play. And if they were good prospects with high draft capital put into them, all of these guys are first round picks, you know, that we're talking about in this podcast and, you know, top 15 picks at that. There's incentive for these teams to play them. Like, look at Trubisky last year, Wentz and Goff before that. Like, even if they're not good in year one, like, just that experience of practicing with the starters and then playing with the starters on Sunday and Monday and sometimes Thursday for some stupid reason, that stuff matters for these guys' development. And if I had to pick who I think is going to have the most fantasy value out of the Arizona quarterback core, I would, for now, say Josh Rosen. It's kind of crazy. Draft is fun. And it's hard to know if that gut reaction that I just had to Rosen being drafted, is that just blatant recency bias? Is that the, sh- the shiny new thing problem that I'm having? Because what if Bradford does stay healthy? Remember that week one game he had last year against the Saints? He was incredible. That was awesome. And then that was it. His season was over. If Sam Bradford had stayed healthy, maybe he would have had the season that Case Keenum had. That's a possibility. And while I don't think... This Arizona offense is anywhere near what we saw from Minnesota with Dalvin Cook and later Jarek McKinnon, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph. If Sam Bradford is a good quarterback when healthy, he should still be fine with what is there in Arizona. You know, assuming David Johnson is back to full health, he probably won't see the volume that you might have expected uh, from someone else just based upon that health risk and based upon Johnson coming back. But Bradford has the opportunity to be an Eli Manning, Andy Dalton level starter if he can stay on the field. And so I have to be careful to say, you know, Josh Rosen has more value just because they drafted him with the 10th pick, but that does count for something. It's 
one of the factors. You have to factor Sam Bradford's upside of retaining the starting role against the draft capital that was just invested in Josh Rosen. That's how it goes. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And at this point, I was waiting to see where Lamar Jackson fell, you know, as the last kind of big name rookie quarterback coming in in this class. And, you know, if you're listening to this after the draft, you know that I had to wait a long time. Like I went out to walk the dog. You know, if you couldn't tell from all that coughing and barking earlier in the recording, yeah, she, she was getting a little antsy. And I thought, you know, I'd walk the dog, come back. If Jackson got picked, I'd talk about it. If he hadn't been picked, I'd wait around until he got picked. He didn't go until the last pick of the first round. Uh, after Baltimore traded down multiple times to get away from him, they eventually traded back up to get him, which is interesting. I don't know how that would make me feel if I was Lamar Jackson from a, a psychological perspective. Like, maybe that's a slap in the face or something. I'm, I'm not sure. Hopefully not. Hopefully he's just happy to be drafted, and, and I hope that he succeeds there uh, in Baltimore. Uh, but we'll talk about him a little bit more in just a sec, just to recap some other quick hits from the picks in between there, there were a lot of defensive players and offensive linemen taken between picks 11 and 23. A couple defensive backs mixed in there as well. Derwin James to the Chargers. Jair Alexander to the Packers. And I've already talked about you know the impact of defense on fantasy. The impact of offensive line on fantasy is also super important, as I noted before. The first wide receiver taken was DJ Moore by the Carolina Panthers at pick 24. It's an interesting pick in the sense that they have a lot of guys who are good in that slot receiver sense, including Christian McCaffrey, who they just drafted last year. They just drafted Curtis Samuel last year as well. So either this means that they don't think much of Curtis Samuel, or it means that they think that DJ Moore can play on the outside. And, you know, based on his athletic testing, based on the college production, albeit in a limited sample size. Uh, that's my guess, is Carolina thinks that he's the real deal. Uh, they made him the first wide receiver off the board for a reason, and so he'll be there to compliment Devin Funches, to compliment Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, so, you know, arrow pointing up for Cam to some extent. Uh, I don't necessarily like investing in his receivers because their offense doesn't often support all that many players all at the same time, so it's Kind of unpredictable which guys are going to have big weeks here and there. But for the quarterback himself, the option to throw to all those guys is, is nothing but good. Calvin Ridley went two picks later at 26 to the Falcons. That's a, a nice one. Uh, give Julio Jones a compliment. Give Matt Ryan a little bit of a boost. Uh, they were definitely, you know, their, their second and third receivers were serviceable. You know, Mohamed Sanu, Taylor Gabriel. But uh, getting uh, some youth there is probably a good thing. And just some receiver depth, I think, is something that the Falcons will be will be happy to have. Next pick was a bit of a shocker. Rashad Penny, second running back off the board. They must think really highly of him there in the Seahawks organization. So does this mean that maybe Russell Wilson won't be throwing quite as much? That they're going to try to get back to a run-heavy game? Penny's a pretty well-rounded player, but I don't think many folks expected him to go in the first round. So this is that, that that's an interesting pick for sure. Then at pick 31, the Patriots took Sony Michelle, another running back. And that was after trading up to get uh, offensive lineman Isaiah Wynn. So they're focused on running the ball with their first-round picks, which is kind of interesting. Uh, maybe try to take some pressure off of Tom Brady. Maybe just looking ahead you know, to life without Tom Brady and what type of team you want to have when your star quarterback you know, retires. 
when you see that happen, a lot of these teams, like look at the Jets right now, as we talked about earlier, they're probably going to be a run-heavy team, the Bills as well. Uh, you know, when they bring in these rookies, you don't want to overload those rookies with the responsibility or pressure. So it's possible that New England is maybe looking ahead. And, and I mean, th- this could be a win-now move and a win-later move, right? You know, again, if you're building on the offensive line, you're giving Brady another weapon. Those things are good for Brady. If adding those players helps the Patriots, you know, after Brady, beyond Brady, that's good too. And then pick 32, the final pick of the first round, Baltimore traded back up to pick Lamar Jackson. And say what you will about maybe messing with Jackson's confidence by, you know, trading back multiple times when they could have taken him earlier in the first. The Ravens did it the right way. They got their quarterback of the future in theory, and they picked up a bunch of other picks and assets by trading back. So smart move by them. Uh, hopefully, again, this doesn't damage Lamar Jackson's psyche in any significant way. I'm fascinated to see how quickly he can get on the field because I'm not a Joe Flacco fan. I haven't been a Joe Flacco fan for many years. I think he's pretty overrated and generally just a, a league average passer. Lamar Jackson isn't ready to be an NFL starter, most likely, in year one, but his rushing ability is insane. And if he can be a serviceable passer, does that give the Ravens a better chance to win? Quite possibly. It's fascinating how because they didn't spend higher draft capital like all those other teams who drafted QBs in the first round, the Ravens aren't going to feel that pressure. They're not going to have that expectation that Lamar Jackson needs to start in year one. But again, if you if you think about the development of these guys and, and how few practices teams get, how few games there are in the first place, is it better to get Lamar Jackson in there sooner rather than later? After what happened with the Giants and Eli Manning last season, I don't necessarily see the Ravens making that same sort of PR mistake, benching Flacco for Lamar Jackson. So Flacco would really have to underperform, or the Ravens would have to be pretty bad, I think, for Jackson to get an early shot. Can we rule that out? No. I mean, this is something that we're going to have to pay attention to, and and who knows, maybe Joe Flacco just gets injured, and we get to see Jackson that way, and, and you know, one way or the other, if he gets into the starting lineup, he's going to be a really interesting fantasy quarterback because of those things that he brings to the table with his legs. We've seen Tim Tebow be usable in fantasy. We've seen Terrell Pryor be usable as a QB in fantasy based almost solely on rushing production. These guys were not good passers. And Lamar Jackson profiles to be a better passer than those those guys. So if you throw that into the mix, like if he's a better quarterback prospect than, say, Tim Tebow or... Terrell Pryor back in the day, then there is an argument for him to get in there, for him to play right away, for him to start developing and take over for this franchise. And knowing how mediocre Joe Flacco has been in recent seasons, I'm okay with giving Lamar Jackson that shot. I kind of want to see that. I want to see these exciting new players get a chance. The preseason is going to tell a lot for him, I think, because that'll tell us how close he is to actually being able to, to grab the reins and start steering that wagon, my guess is they're going to stick with Flacco for probably most of the year, if not all the year. So I'm not going to have Lamar Jackson high in my rankings. Flacco's going to stay about the same, which is, you know, about as low as a quote-unquote guaranteed starter can be. But again, when these guys get on the field in August, that could change. I can't wait to see what happens. And that'll do it for this rambling recap of the first round of the NFL draft, uh, you know, kind of centric to the quarterback position and fantasy quarterback specifically. 
hope you guys uh, enjoyed hanging out. It's a little strange, you know, sitting in the room talking to myself, especially when my dog is acting like a weirdo, but um, we made it. And uh, if you're keeping score, this was episode 75. I think I, I missed the number at the top of the show. Uh, if you want to send in any feedback, you can hit us up on Twitter at 2QBs. That's T-W-O-Q-B-S. Email works too, 2QBs at gmail.com, spelled the same way. Um, come stop by the site. We, we're going to have a lot of great stuff coming up now that the draft is in underway and, and soon to be in the books. Sal and I have started prep on the 2018 two-quarterback draft guide, so get pumped for that. We'll have more information on that as it kind of comes into focus. And otherwise, uh, enjoy the rest of the draft. I I hope uh, your favorite teams end up with some players that you like. I hope that your favorite players end up in good situations for fantasy. And we'll catch you next time. Adios. Adios.